Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Randy Rourke and this is the Uncharted Veterinary Podcast. Guys, the uh, the number one concern that I hear from people right now is what happens if there's a COVID outbreak inside my practice? What happens if I, as the practice manager, the practice owner, the lead doctor, the only doctor, pop positive for COVID? Um, what is that? Where does that leave me? Where does that leave my team? Where does that leave my patients? Uh, a lot of people don't even want to talk about it because it's scary. Stephanie Goss and I uh, want to jump in and just break it down. And so we just want to run you through it, run you through the thought exercises, run you through the headspace. And that's what we do in this episode. I hope it'll be super useful as we head into the winter and uh, that you'll get something out of it. And also that it'll stimulate those thoughts and those conversations that we need to be having now before we're having a problem. Please don't be the person who puts their head in the sand. It's like, I'll figure it out when disaster strikes. Don't be that. Let's go ahead. Let's at least just talk about it. This this podcast will get you thinking about it. If you are uh, feeling alone, if you're like, I wish I had somebody to talk about this stuff with, or I wish I had people to bounce things off of, or I wish I knew what other practices were doing about the spread of COVID, about the, the scariness of the winter, guys, check out the Uncharted community. Head over to unchartedvet.com and uh, jump in there. We've got our practice owner summit, which is going on. Honestly, it starts tomorrow, the day after this podcast comes out. Uh, but the community is 24-7-365. Uh, we always share best practices. We always support. We always talk about what we're doing and how it's working and what's not working and ask for advice. And you can have the knowledge of the tribe. So head over to unchartedvet.com and check it out. If you are looking ahead to brighter days and you're like next year, we are going to uh, we're going to kick butt and take names, and it's going to be great. Good for you. You should be thinking that way. We have got a marketing workshop on December the 10th with Melanie Kramer. It's on Simple Easy Marketing, and uh, it'll be a two-hour workshop December the 10th. Head over to UnchartedVet.com. I'll put a link down below. Get signed up for it. It's free to Uncharted members. It's $99 to the public. It will be worth your time. It will get that marketing plan off your plate and get you set up for the future. Guys, that's enough of that. Let's get into this episode. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me and Stephanie. Have a holly jolly, not infectious Christmas goss. <laughs> Did you ever in your life think that that's where we would be? <laughs> no, this is this is the craziest year of my life. I think I, I want to go back. And now we're at the end of the year. I just go back there and cut out all the times so that we open our podcast and said, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. Right. There's like 36 consecutive episodes of me saying that. Right? It's totally true. It's like 2020 decided that this was the year where it was going to say, here, hold my beer. (laughs) Over and over and over. Speaking of episodes, did you know this is our 101st episode? It's so exciting. I know. When you told me that we had just recorded our 100th episode the last time we recorded, I was really surprised because it definitely does not feel like it's been 100. Two years in the blink of an eye. That's crazy to me. Absolute crazy talk. So for everybody who actually is still listening to us, <laughs> besides besides my mom, <laughs> that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Patty, the, the lone traveler who's been with us the whole time. <sighs> oh, man. Okay. So we have some really good stuff today. And I don't think it's good because it's groundbreaking or shattering. I think it's good because... It's something that I think we just have to talk about and think about from a super basic perspective. Yeah. 
when you suggested that we talk about this, I was like, I don't know that I have the an- like I don't know that we have the answers. I don't know what to what to tell everybody. But I think that's the point. Yeah, I think that we have the path to the answers, and that's what's important. I guess here's here's my thought. A lot of times in in situations like this, there are not concrete answers. There is not a here is how you do it, and there might even that answer might even exist for a five veterinarian practice. But that's a different answer from a one vet practice or a twenty five vet practice. Like those are just different things. And so there are a lot of variables at play here. But we need to talk about getting our ducks in a row and how to get these answers. And that's what I want to talk about today. Oh, man. Okay. So everybody's probably going, what the hell are these two talking about? What are they talking about? Yes. All right. (laughs) Here we go. Let's get into this. We've had two titles for this podcast that we've waffled back and forth between. One of them is Winter is Coming, and the other one is COVID came to my practice for Christmas. And, And they're intertwined. Here's where we are, team. If you look at the map of COVID infection rates in the United States, the top of the map is dark purple with infections, and the bottom of the map is light yellow. That is down where I live. And I said to my wife, why in the world is South Carolina low on the COVID infection risk? Like, this is a state that has done nothing to address the the pandemic and has just largely tried to deny its existence. Yet here we are, the standard bearers for low infection rates. And my wife said, Andy, it's not cold here yet. And as you look, you just see the infection rates mirroring the weather pattern. Yeah. And it is cold up north. And that is why I think that the pandemic is surging back and our numbers are spiking back up. It's because people have gotten used to having uh, socially distant meals together and things like that outside. And now it's too cold to be outside. And so they've gotten into the habit of eating together. And now they're just going inside. And now we're doing the cardinal sins of eating together inside and doing these types of things. We are going to see this in our practices. Curbside was great in April when we got it started right. and it was springtime. What do we do when it's 10 below zero in you know Detroit and we're trying to do curbside? What does that look like? How does, how does that even work? And so my concern is that we are heading into a long winter, boys and girls, yeah. and it is going to be really hard on practices and we're going to have to figure out what we're going to do. I suspect, honestly, most of our practices are going to be touched by COVID, meaning we are going to have some positive cases. We are going to have people get infected. We are going to be working with warm, panting clients coming in with their humid breath, (laughs) filling up our lobby. You know, when they take it off and you can just see the moisture in the air in front of their face. That's that's illness, ladies and gentlemen. You can see the illness. And there's germaphobes right now climbing the walls. What is he saying? I don't mean to paint a, a terrible, terrible picture. I, I didn't. I I am tired of people trying. Oh my god, you're so gross. Oh, it's so gross. I just I I did that not to scare people. I do it because I genuinely enjoy watching Stephanie Goss like <laughs> wring her hands and and try not to be grossed out. I am not here to scare people. I do not like when people sensationalize this stuff. Right. I, uh, this is not going to be a tie people in knots podcast. This is 100% going to be, let's look at reality and let's get some basic common sense planning done yeah. so that we can move forward in a positive way and 
minimize our chances of having big headaches. Yeah, I think for me, uh, this, it was interesting. This last week, there were a couple of things that happened that really kind of crystallized where we are for me. And they all relate to when, when things kind of first got started in the spring, we were all terrified. This was something none of us had ever seen before. What was going to happen? What was going to happen to our teams? What was going to happen to our practices? And especially in the Uncharted community, we went into preparation mode. And I feel like as a community, we really worked together. And a lot of the hospitals that were are part of the community really leapt ahead of the curve and were we broke into teams and we we're doing all of the things that that we could to protect our teams and keep from shutting down because we could see the potential for the big scary crazy and then for a lot of us it didn't happen and then the cases started to drop down everywhere it got warm we were all outside the cases the the curve kind of dropped off and a lot of us relaxed and now we're in a place where we have the highest caseload that we've had since this whole thing started and yet a lot of us are really struggling to get back to even that place we were in April as a baseline of how, what are we doing and how are we doing it to protect our teams and our clients and I think back to April and I think we were all wondering, like, when are we going to start hearing from clients that they, you know, have been exposed to someone or that they have been infected? And, you know, we were like, well, we, you know, won't let anybody come in if they have a positive in their house and we'll, you know, protect the team as best we can and those kind of things. And I think now we're in a place where we're starting to hear repeatedly from clients that they have tested positive, that their spouse has tested positive, that one of their kids is positive. And, we're kind of in a place where we can't say we can't see those pets because the pets need to be seen. And this is not the six week thing that we thought it was going to be in April. Right. And so I think for a lot of us, we're kind of at that place where we have to turn the tables back a little bit and think about what lessons did we learn from what we did in the spring, what worked and what didn't, and then how are we going to plan to move forward? Because make no mistake, if we do not plan for the long winter, we are going to be outside it turning into ice schools. <laughs> yeah. Because we can't, we can't avoid this. It is, it is coming. And as much as we would love to think that it is not going to hit our practice, because none of us wants to think about any members of our team getting sick, the statistical reality is it is far more likely that it is going to hit our practice than it is not. Yeah. I agree. So that's where we are today. When COVID first happened, we did not know anything about it. We didn't know how it was spread. We didn't know any of those things. We didn't really know the severity. In medical facilities, they didn't really know how to treat it. We've got a lot of things going for us. So let's let's go ahead and, and shine some sunshine here. Okay. We know a lot more about this virus than we did before. Yep. We know how it's transmitted. We know how to avoid it. Our mortality rate has fallen significantly because hospitals know how to treat it. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of good things going for us. We know the enemy that we are facing. We have not faced the enemy in under these circumstances before, right. and the battle is going to get harder because of the changing weather. However, we know what we're up against, and we have the ability to plan, which we did not have in the first round. Right. And so let's use that advantage. The worst case scenario is we fail to plan, and that's essentially us planning to fail. And there's a lot of people who are going to put their head in the sand, and this is the divider between a real leader and a fake leader. The real leader says, I don't know what the answer is, but I'm not going to turn a blind eye and just pretend that it's not going to happen. So let's get into that. Let's start with headspace like we always do. Okay. The first part of headspace 
place is a clear and obvious acceptance of the reality here. Denying this is going to happen, denying that there are going to be changes that we're going to need to make. To me, that is the biggest pitfall, this biggest failure. If you just will stop and believe that infection levels are going up, the weather is changing, people are going to move inside, there is going to be increased risk of infection as opposed to what has happened in the past. And also just to know that people are tired. COVID fatigue is real. They're tired of wearing their masks. They don't want to wear their masks anymore. They decided that they really like having lunch with their friends and they don't want to go back to not having lunch with their friends. Like acceptance is key. Know that those are the pieces on the chessboard and that is what we're going to be moving around. Yeah, I totally agree. All right. Know that you don't know what is going to happen. The best crystal balls in the world have been useless in 2020, <laughs> and they will continue to be so. I don't know if this is going to come to your practice. I think what you're going to be up against is entirely dependent on where you are. It depends on the geography of where you are. It depends on how cold does it get in the winters. It depends on the politics of your state. Do people as a whole believe that COVID is real? Are you dealing with a clientele? That's not even your state. This is just your local demographic. Right. Do your do your specific clients believe that this is real? Are they willing to take basic steps to control infection rates? Will they wear a mask? And that's really what it comes down to. And for some of us, the answer is no. They won't wear a mask. Mm -hmm. And you can tie yourself in knots about it, or you can accept that that is what you're dealing with and make a plan that accounts for it. I agree with that 100%. And I think that's one of the hardest things for a lot of us to wrap our brain around because it involves letting go of control mm -hmm. and <laughs> letting go of the idea that we can tame this dragon, right? And we can't control our clients. Yep. This falls into my category very much of you can be righteous or effective, choose one. And you can be righteous and say, people should wear masks and they should be understanding and they should expect to wait knowing that there's a pandemic going on. That's true. And you are justified in feeling that. And you can ride that horse, pull the flaming sword of justice from its scabbard, <laughs> hold it over your head and charge into the fray yelling, you should do what you're supposed to do. And you can do that. And a lot of people will. And those are the valiant heroes that we see fall in the, in the final battle, right? That, that is a path to nowhere. It is a path to frustration and burnout. It is. And again, I'm not trying to mock people who feel that way. We've all felt that way. Right. The other path is to say all of those things are true. And if I decide that I want to feel crappy, then I will pick those things up and look at them longingly. Right. <laughs> but when I don't want to feel crappy, I am just going to accept that that's not how people are behaving. People have shown us how they're going to behave. They have shown us what they are. We have seen our clients' behavior. We should not be surprised by it at this point. You know how your clients are going to act. You know how they're going to respond. And so let's put aside what they should do and just deal with the realities of what they're actually going to do. Well, and also I think the realities of what can we control. You know, if you if you are in an area where your local government has said, you know, people can't come in a place of business without a mask, then that's something that you can enforce as a hospital and as a team. And there's that is within your control. If you are not in an area where that is the case, then you have some 
harder decisions to make about what you're going to do and how you're going to do it. And, and it's okay to put boundaries in place, but you have to step back and look at the bigger picture and recognize that that may not be within your control. You know, if you don't have a mask mandate, if you don't have any backing behind you, what does that look like for your clients? You know, do you recognize that you may have clients that refuse to come to your practice? Yeah. Are you okay with that? Yeah. That the, we have to step back and think about what are the pieces of this that we actually can control. And I think that's part of what makes this so hard for everybody is that there is not any consistency, that it's radically different here in Washington state than it is in South Carolina. And so, you know, we don't have the consistency across the country to say, this is what we're doing and this is how we're doing it. Yeah, which makes it so hard because there is not and there will not be a best practice guide right. published by AHA that says this is what an animal hospital should do. You just, it doesn't exist because it's too uh, local demographic driven. So I think the metaphor, and we're still talking about headspace. I think the metaphor that really is helpful is you're a sea captain and you have your ship and the big storm is coming. There is no sea captain with a brain who thinks that they are going to control the storm, mm -hmm. that they are going to find and navigate a beautiful little path of, of water through this, through this oncoming hurricane. It's, it's not going to happen. And I like that metaphor because I think that it gives us an idea of the level of control we actually have. You can control your team. You can, uh, to, when they're there at your practice, you can control your team. You can pick your path. You can set your strategy. You can work hard. You can make good decisions on the fly. But ultimately, you're going to get tossed around. And if you go in with the idea of this is going to be rough, guys, and we're going to get battered, but we're going to hold our crew together. Yeah. I think that that is the healthy mindset to have. And I think it also sets you up for really realistic expectations. So you said, you know, what if, what if clients throw a fit that you're requiring a mask to come into the exam room. What if you lose clients over it? I think part of the expectation, and this helps to think, hey, I'm a sea captain and I want to come off the other side of the storm. I think that those are realistic expectations is I am not going into this saying it's going to be business as usual. I'm going to do what we've always done. We're going to have a, you know, the best in a quarter that we've ever had, I think that those real those expectations are more hurtful than anything else. I think the expectations really to have are big storm coming. I in the spring, I want to find our ship intact on the other side of the storm. And then we'll get back to the work of growing our business, of doing great work. You know what I mean? Uh, it's not just I mean to abandon great work over the wintertime. I think that we have to really look at just being intact on the other side of this as the goal. And if you do better than that, that's great. But I think that we need to get okay with the idea that we are going to make the best calls that we can make and be realistic, right? I'm not going to go so hard as to say these are the best practices in disease control and we will follow them to the letter of the law. And if our staff does not, we will fire them. And if our clients do not, we will fire them. I, I do really honestly think that we're going to have to do the balancing act of what is best practices? What does our business need to provide? What sort of policies and procedures do we have in order to provide care to the pets that show up? Right. We can't be dogmatic and black and white in a lot of cases. We need to figure out what is going to work for us and then go with it and do know that some people might leave. I expect what's going to happen is you're going to see a lot of posturing and a lot of bluffing. There'll be a lot of people who say, well, I'm not coming there. And then they'll either hang up and then they'll calm down and they'll call back uh, sheepishly or their spouse will call back in a week and they'll reschedule. 
or they'll go, I'm not coming there. And then they'll hang up and then they'll call other places and they'll find they can't, they can't get in or that the other places have similar policies. And then they'll come back and say, oh, well, that, that didn't work. Or they'll just go somewhere else, which again, your business is probably slammed. That's fine. I think that's part of the battle is getting to that place of acceptance because for so long, so many of us have struggled with living things the opposite way of like, we have to take care of all the clients, we have to take care of all the pets, like we felt this deep moral compass as an industry to say, we're going to help all of the people. And we're only going to turn people away when it gets really, really bad. And now it feels like we're living at the opposite end of that. And that has been a struggle for a lot of my colleagues to feel like, oh, gosh, we can't, you know, we can't lose a client. Like we've, we've always lived our lives trying to do everything to not lose clients. And so it feels very uncomfortable. And it is very difficult. And at the same time, I would ask all of us to kind of think about why are we doing this? Like, yes, we're doing this for our clients and our patients. But for a lot of us, a huge part of this is we're in it for our team. And all of the decisions that we made in in the spring, April, March, you know, March, April, May, the decisions that we made uh, splitting into teams, working shorthanded, all of those things, we did it to protect our clients. Yes. But we first and foremost did it to protect our teams and ourselves. And if we did all of that and now we don't take the time to say, I've got to let this go and set those boundaries, then what was all of that for? What did we do all of that for? Right. No, I agree. The, la- the last part of Headspace that I want to put forward is it's okay that you don't have the answers. It, it is okay that you don't know what to do. And I think that that is a critical part of Headspace is, is being able to say as a leader, as a manager, as a practice owner, as the medical director, it is okay to say, I don't know what's going to happen. And I don't know what the best decision is. And that that idea is terrifying for a lot of people. But the truth is, there has never been a more obvious time to be vulnerable in my mind than right now. That doesn't mean you throw it up and go, guys, I'm overwhelmed and I'm terrified and I don't know what to do. And I think we're all in trouble. That's not what I'm talking about. But what I am talking about is to say, hey, guys, winter is coming and it is getting cold outside. And I want to talk to you guys about what we're going to do and what are our policies going to be and what do we need to be thinking about and what are some changes that we can make to keep people safe Mm -hmm. and putting it forward to your team and saying, I don't have a clear plan. We are beginning our planning process and I would like you guys to be involved in this. And that's not weakness. That's that's wonderful leadership. You know, that that's really, that's getting buy-in from the team because ultimately, whatever policies you set, you're going to need them to buy into. Right. So just being open about the fact that things are changing, we're anticipating a long winter, and we want to go ahead and start making changes and making a plan for how we're going to deal with it. And just putting that forward and then asking for input. I, I think that that's the smartest move that you can make. I think that the people who are most unhappy right now are the people who have decided that they are alone, that they have to have the answers, that their team is waiting for them to come forward with a plan or policy that's going to make this winter okay, or the people who are desperately trying to get their head covered back up in sand and and don't want to hear that this is happening. I think those are the two people who are really struggling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that for sure. Cool. Let's get into what to do. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, if we think about being in the headspace of we don't have all the answers and at some point this is going to pass, like what do we do in the here and now to to fix it? Yeah, let's get into this. Number one, don't panic. Running around, burning energy, not sleeping. those That's a bad idea. Right? That doesn't help anything. We're going to deal with it as we always do. This too shall pass. Number two is let's start planning. 
This is the plan. We don't need it. And we don't have to have a rock solid plan. Like there needs to be some flexibility because we don't exactly know what's going to happen. Our plan of what do we do if someone gets sick may be different if that person is at the front desk versus if that person is the practice manager or if that person is one of our three doctors. Right. right? Those those things are going to go down differently. They are going to affect us in different ways. But we need to have a generalized plan. How are we monitoring uh, the conditions? Are we taking temperatures when people come in? What are our basic protocols for identifying people? Have we restated and re-restated and re-re-restated our policies on don't come to work if you don't feel good? Have we clearly communicated our desires that you staying home, even though we are so busy or we feel overwhelmed, our preference is that you stay home, not that you suck it up and come and help the team? Right? Have we beaten that into people's head? And so it's time to to start to start having some plans. And I think if the answer to that question for you is no, like you need to sit down and have the conversation now. Because oh, I think for a lot of us, it was just like, well, you know, if you're sick in these specific ways. And for a lot of us, it was like, well, if you have a temperature, because when this whole thing started, that was the thing, right? Like if you have a temperature, if you're coughing or having shortness of breath, if you lose your sense of smell or your sense of taste, there was these weird things that we were fixated on as this has all unfolded because that's the information we had at the time. And now we're in this space where it's like, look, all of the crap on the list of symptoms, it's all cold and flu season stuff. And so, you know, have you expressly said to your team, look, this is my expectation and laid it out in black and white what you want them to do and how you want them to do it. If you haven't done that, if your response to the question is, they're adults, they they know, they watch the news, they know that's that's not good enough. You have to sit down and have the conversation with them and say, this is my expectation. This is what I want. This is These are the rules and lay it down in, in black and white. Don't let this be a time for gray on this issue with your team. There are two things that, that really muddy the waters here. And again, you can be righteous or effective. Part of being effective is recognizing that hubris is real. People do not believe that they got the vid. Right. They're like, nope, <laughs> not me. I have allergies. Yeah. I got something from my kid who went to daycare and my kid definitely did not get the vid. You know, uh, so hubris is that doesn't happen to me. That happens to other people. Oh, yeah. And just know that people feel that way. And the other thing to recognize and believe is that shame is a big deal right now. Nobody wants to uh, admit that they got COVID, especially in the holidays when there's people on social media beating the drum saying, don't you dare, don't you dare go to your family's house for Thanksgiving. (laughs) And if you do, you're basically killing babies. That's what you are, baby killer. And there's a lot of people who went to see their families and they're like, I'm going to see my mama. (laughs) You know, like that's what I do. I'm going to do it. And they feel shame. If they do test positive, they don't want to hear people be like, "Uh, yeah, we told you that that was a bad idea and you still did it. And so this is on you and it's your fault. So shame pushes people to be like, nope, I'm not sick. I'm going to come in that. Nope. I just, I'm feeling down, but they convince themselves that they're not sick. It's just, if you lay down some guidelines and say, look, no questions, just don't come in here. I think that that's the best we can do, but but people are going to push against it. It's it's totally true. And I, I will tell you guys from the beginning, I've been very, very clear and very blunt. You guys know 
I think if you've listened to the podcast that I love to have written written rules. <laughs> I updated the sick policy in my handbook, like all of the things have been in place. And yet I ha- and repeatedly and this last week, we we're having a team meeting and we were talking about again about my expectation. And if you are sick, if you have things that fall on the symptom list, you can't come in. And I had a member of my team say, you know, well, I've been coughing and I've been sneezing and snarfy for the last few days, but I have allergies and I know that it's just my allergies. And they were like, are you saying that I have to go? And I said, yes, because here's the thing. I am hopeful and I want to believe that you know yourself and you know your body and it is just allergies. But what if it's not? And repeatedly, the conversation as a team has been, this is about protecting the members of our team who are high risk, our our pregnant team members, our team members who have asthma and lung disease, our team members who have elderly grandparents that live with them. That's been the conversation all along. And I get that we don't want to think that it might be, but we have to stop and ask that question. And so this team member was really mad. And they were just like, you know, I know my and I know that that that's not it. And I said, I get that. I said, but I also can't assume that responsibility. It would be totally unacceptable of me to say, well, you think that you just have allergies, so you can stay here today. But someone else who comes in who, you know, has a fever, I send home, then I'm not applying things the same across the team. And also the the what if and you know, once once they walked away from the situation, and they, they went home and they were they were they were very mad. And they left very angry. And I just said, I you know, the rest of the team was like, Oh, my God, are you just gonna let them storm out like that? And I said, Yes, they need to, they need to, they needed the minute. And sure enough, you know, about 25 minutes later, when they had gotten home, and they had calmed down, they sent me a message. And they were like, you know, I'm really, really sorry. I know that it was the right thing to do. It's just very frustrating, because I know that I'm leaving the team shorthanded. And I feel fine. I'm yes, I'm coughing. Yes, I'm snarfing. But I feel fine. I don't feel sick. And I know the burden that is left behind with me not being there and us already being shorthanded. And I feel super guilty about that. And I'm just so mad at the situation. And I think that's the reality where a lot of us are living right now is that normally during winter, when we have people out sick, it's hard for us to deal. And now it's doubly hard. Yeah, I think that's totally true. I'll give you one example that has sat heavily in my mind recently. And this was last weekend. So we're, uh, we were, when we're recording uh, this last weekend, college football is still going on in the world. There was a football game, Clemson University, who's ranked number one in the nation, was going to play Florida State. And so these are, these are two huge football schools in the South where I live. And they were going to play. And it was the, like, it was the big Saturday game. And what happened was the two teams that morning got together and their medical directors discussed what was going on and and playing the game. And it turns out that Clemson had a player who had been showing symptoms. He had fever or was, you know, coughing or whatever and came up negative on a, on a coronavirus test. And he practiced and he practiced for, uh, he was symptomatic and he was negative. And then he was negative again the next day. And then the third day, he came up positive for coronavirus. And so this guy had been practicing with the team. And and very similarly, I am sure 
that he was saying this is a big game this weekend and I don't want to let the team down. I have no idea, but that that's my that's my assumption is he didn't want to let the team down. And so after two days of practicing with negative tests, then he pops positive and Florida State said, "We're not we're not going to play you." Like, no. Like we're we're not we're not going to to put our our people's uh, health at risk. And so the whole game on the day of the game, it was like the one o'clock game. It was canceled. It was shut. It was shut back down. And that just sticks in my mind of of how easy and common this is. Is I don't feel good, but it's important for me to be there. And I guess the decision at Clemson was, well, we're going to let him practice because he was negative on the test. And ultimately, I can't imagine how many millions of dollars were lost and and how many angry people you know had had invested into this or or had gone to get a hotel room or whatever to to be there. But you talk about a catastrophe. It's really that. And so. That's that's just from this last weekend, and I look at that and I say, you know, that that scenario is playing out in vet clinics again and again and again and again across the country. Well, and I'm really glad that you brought that up because one of the things that I think a lot of hospitals are struggling with is the fact that we have now, and in the beginning, we weren't sure, are we essential workers, are we not? There was a lot of discussion about that, and the CDC came out with specific guidelines for veterinary hospitals that included us in the healthcare conversation, which was awesome. The downside to that is that as essential workers, a lot of states have very, very different protocols for what happens if you have an exposure and you're an essential worker because the very definition of essential means that we need to keep running. And so the reality is people are allowed in the clinic with exposure, just like your football player. Yes, they took him and they quarantined, but the reality is the other people involved chose not to be exposed. And in an essential worker environment, that's that's not necessarily the case. And so there are a lot of hospitals wrestling right now with the idea of we're essential workers. The CDC has said that we can continue working and we're wrestling with the idea of is that the right thing for our hospital? Because the reality is just because the CDC says that this is what we can do doesn't mean that our individual teams are okay continuing to work around each other after there has been an exposure. This is a situation where we have to have honest and very frank conversations with our team about how they feel about things. Because I could say we're essential workers and even if you have been exposed, as long as you're not symptomatic and you don't test positive, you can continue to come to work. But if my team of 15 all believe the exact opposite of that and choose to call out, I can't run a practice with one person. And, and so, you know, this is the this is the time to have those honest and vulnerable and very frank conversations as a team about how do they feel? Because the reality is we can't, even, even if you're a veterinarian, if you're a doctor, you can't run the practice by yourself. You might be able to for a day, but you're certainly not going to be able to for two weeks. Yeah. No, I agree. I think as we talked about this at the very beginning and said, you know, we don't have answers and we're not going to lay out answers. One of the most powerful tools in leadership is the conversation and just having the conversation. I, I don't think that you I don't think that you have to know what is going to happen. I, I think generally the greatest benefit, the greatest benefit by far comes from having the conversation that needs to happen that wouldn't otherwise happen. Yeah, right. And so the greatest takeaway from this podcast, I think for most people, is going to be talk to your team because this conversation needs to happen. And for a lot of practices, the alternative is just not talking to their team. And so your chances of messing 
messing this up by having a conversation about guys what what's coming what are we going to do how are how are you feeling what are your concerns right what what is working really well for us that we want to lean into in the winter what are things that we are currently doing that we don't think are going to work as well mm-hmm. so that we can start to think about alternatives that's all you've got to do it really is that level and then take your flip chart you know i love the 3m giant post-it notes take your flip chart and just write down what they say and just say we're brainstorming we're just we're talking about what's possible we're looking at the future and we're just we're writing down ideas and so let's talk together and it just makes them feel heard it makes them feel included it helps you check the temperature in the room see where people's heads are and you will get some you will get good ideas but just opening up that dialogue that in and of itself is a massive win that's going to pay dividends I think the other big part going along with having the conversation with your team is making sure that they understand the the definitions and the guidelines you're working under. We all think we have team members who are mature, responsible adults and they're, you know, living their lives and they're getting news from multiple different sources and we want to assume that they're all aware, but I, again, this is where you can't over-communicate with the team and I think you need to make sure that they understand what the rules are. Do they know that just getting is your example of of the Clemson team getting a negative doesn't rule out COVID and that they could still have a negative test and a day, two days, three days later, then test positive. And so that's why the quarantine period exists. And what does that what does that mean for them? Do they do they know that? Do they understand the definition of strict quarantine? I found this out in a personal way when we were talking about the holidays and we were talking about, you know, what everybody's plans were going to be and how we were going to, you know, stay as safe as we possibly could and protect each other. There were a lot of questions from my team because we have a gathering ban in Washington state currently. And so the governor has said we can't have indoor gatherings unless we abide by these certain rules. And if we can't abide by those rules, then we can't have indoor gatherings with people outside of our own households. And part of the um, rules was strict quarantine. And when I started talking to my team, they're like, well, I, I mean, we can't, we can't do anything because COVID. So I, you know, I, I don't leave my house except when I go to the grocery store or I go to the, you know, to Target or I go do this or I go do that. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's not quarantining. <laughs> Like, let me read you the CDC's definition of quarantine, which is that you stay in your house and you isolate within your house from the other people so that you don't expose them and they don't expose you. And you you stay basically in a hidey hole for 14 days. Like that is what a strict quarantine looks like. Leaving your house to go to the gas station, to go to Target, to go to Walmart. That's not a yeah. quarantine, guys. Yeah. And I was ama- like, I didn't think that I needed to say it. But the reality is our, our team's don't may may not know and so this is where we cannot over communicate and the conversation that you're having with them has to involve asking some of those questions and making sure that everybody is on the same page because if you've told them that your expectation is is that um you know they quarantine if they're going to be around family and then their idea of quarantine is that they're just going to the gas station and going to Target, then the rest of the team is feeling safe because you've instituted that policy, but you, you really haven't done anything to protect them because you haven't ironed out the definitions with your team. Right. 
No, I completely agree. I think I think the last part of this, I think for me to sort of circle back on is now is the time to revisit our cleaning protocols, our disinfecting protocols, our just standard safety inside the practice protocols. And let's do it now because I, uh, I've seen in your practice, my crystal ball sees all and your people are not as religious as they were, are they? No. Are they? I know. And I, it's like Santa, me and Santa Claus together look at your practice. And I see that your people are not as dedicated as they were. So now is the time to have that conversation. And, and you go, but I'll have the conversation when there's a problem. Right. And there, there's a balance to that, right? And, and so a lot of people say, well, I'll ju- we'll just, when there's a problem, we'll address it. I get that. Let me tell you this. It's a heck of a lot easier to have this conversation now when no one has screwed up and no one feels defensive yeah. and no one is, you know, is feeling like they're being called out. Now is the time to say, guys, I want to talk about our cleaning policies. And this is not in response to anyone. This is in response to winter coming on and us having uh, rising COVID numbers and us having greater concerns in the coming months. It is us staying healthy Mm -hmm. through the winter. Now, let's review what we're doing and recommit. And we've let this slide a little bit. And I want you guys to know that I'm serious about it again. And I am going to be increasingly a jerk about it. And I want you to know what's coming. And I feel like that's a fair warning. Just to, just to reset, again, that falls into over-communication for me. Let's review our decontamination program. How are we going to clean the rooms? If we're not going to do curbside because of the weather and we're going to let people come into our rooms, let's review what the front desk is going to say. Let's review how we're going to handle people who decide that they do not want to wear a mask yeah. and how we can tell them that's fine. <laughs> you can, we'll, we'll see you in the spring when we open up curbside again. Let's have those conversations. And the other thing is, let's talk about how we're going to clean these rooms and turn them over because we have high numbers of people who are going to be sitting in the exam room and panting with their humid moisture breath. Just just droplets slowly landing on the benches and on the exam table and on the cat scale. Gross. And just over 30 minutes, they're just breathing with their humid air coming out of their bodies. You're so gross. <laughs> I love that. I love it because I, like, I'm about motivating people to clean and I have stumbled onto gold here. Oh my God, you're so gross. No, I, I totally agree though. And the other, the other piece of it is we need to think about how are we cleaning on a regular basis? And the reality is a lot of us are... are understaffed right now. We are dealing with the normal people wanting to take time off. This is the time of the year where we traditionally have let our teams have a lot of time off because it tends to be a slower time of year for a lot of us. And so we work like crazy through the summer and then everybody takes time off in the fall and and winter. And the reality is at first when COVID hit, everybody was like, I don't need to take time off because where the heck am I going to go? But now everybody's like, I'm mentally exhausted. I need a staycation. And so we have team members who are taking time off. And so we're running shorthanded. And if the team is going full speed, can they keep up with the cleaning? And the answer is, it it could very well be no for your clinic. And so the answer then is to not, not clean because you have to. And so the answer has to be, so how are we going to accomplish this? Do we need to hire a cleaning crew to come in every night? Do we need to hire, um, you know, a company that does COVID cleanings and comes in once a week and sprays everything down and does the, you know, the deep cleaning for us? What that looks like in your practice is very different. Do you need to hire a 
you know, an extra set of kennel hands to help with the the regular ongoing cleaning. I don't know every practice is going to have a different answer, but I do know that we need to think about how do we solve this problem because our team, for most of us, having the team be the answer to this is not a solid plan when we are working full speed, full tilt, full out. It just, it just won't, it won't get done. And then I think for me, like the last piece is that we know that this is going to happen. And for me as a, as a manager, a huge part of this has been leaning into my village because it does take a village to get through all of this. And this is where I have been leveraging the heck out of my communities that I've built within veterinary medicine. Uncharted has been phenomenal. We have uh, had practices from the very beginning who are like, this is what we're doing. This is how we're doing it. And who have really leaned into working together as a group to source the concept and best practices that people have put into play in their in their clinics, what's knowing what's working, what's not talking about it. You can also do that. And I think it is important to do that within our own local veterinary communities, you know, being being online, having access to ask hospitals around the country at the tip of my fingers, what are you guys doing? And how are you doing it is phenomenal. But things are with with this pandemic, things are so specific to our geographic areas, the ability to pick up the phone or pick up, you know, my keyboard and reach out to other local practice managers and say, hey, how how are you guys doing this? Have you found a local cleaning company? Who are you using for this thing? That has been a, a phenomenal resource throughout this whole thing. And the same goes for our local health departments, leveraging them because the, the information out there from the CDC is phenomenal. It is also so overwhelming. There's like 95 different sub pages on the CDC's website to try and find the information and digging into the essential workers versus not and all of those different business plans. The information is fantastic, but trying to find what you need can be really difficult. And so this is where I've really leaned in to our local health department has put out some fantastic uh, resource stuff that is very simple and very clear about like, this is a checklist. If you have someone positive, this is these are the things that you need to think about. Having a very simple plan is important. And so for me, this is where I would say, look at what resources are available to you and reach out because none of us can do this by ourselves, not even the planning part of it. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. It, I think one of the times that Uncharted has shined brighter than, than any other time was as this pandemic was starting and it is it is the best place to share best practices it is the best place to discuss challenges there are so many smart people and we have a good structure for addressing these things and we also do workshops and educational um, opportunities that are based on the conversations in uh, in the community and so I just I feel like uh, and this is the feedback we got from our members is that uncharted was just built to, to handle things like covid uh, really really well so if you are out there and you were feeling alone and you're like he's you know they talk about having these conversations but i don't exactly know how to have them or things like that uncharted is worth it it is worth its weight in gold especially right now so um if you're feeling alone you don't have to be alone so so check out uncharted for sure but this really is uh, a time to shine 
So I think I think we wrap it up by saying don't panic. Yep. This is probably going to happen. And plan and, and touch most of us. Plan before you need the plan. Think ahead, think long term, and hope you don't need it. Uh, so many of us have a binder in our clinic with the information about what to do when the power goes out. Yep. 90% of us don't have to reach for that binder until the next time we have a price increase and we have to refresh the information that's in it. But we have it there just in case. And that's, we have to treat the COVID plan the exact same way as we do those other things in our business. We have to make a plan, work on our business, not in it, and then hope that we don't need it. But it's there if we do. Yeah. And I would add the third thing to that is have the conversation, right? Don't panic. Make a plan. Have the conversation. Talk to your team now. Just say, guys, this is coming. What are we doing that's working? What are we doing that we don't think is going to continue to work through the winter? And just include them in the conversation. The focus for you is making them feel heard. You don't have to you don't have to wow them with your intellect. Just talk to them and and open up that door. And one last piece that I think is so important is part of your plan absolutely has to be what do you do with your doctors? Because I've already heard and seen so many practices who have addressed what do we do if the team is sick and have been speaking specifically to their paraprofessional staff. But then I'm hearing from other other friends and managers, well, then the doctors feel bad because they don't want to cancel appointments on their clients. So they're coming in, but they're coughing or they've got a low grade fever. You guys, the plan has to include the doctors. You can't, you can't have the rules for the paraprofessional staff that they're not allowed to walk in the door if they have a symptom on that list and let the doctors walk in the door because the doctors are a part of your team. They are human. They are going to get sick. They are not superheroes. And if we don't make them an active part of the team and have a plan for what do we do when we don't have a doctor here today because they are home because they have a fever. If we don't put that into place, all of the planning that we do for the paraprofessional team, it just you just toss it in the garbage because it, it's not it's not going to stay isolated to your doctors if you let them come in the building sick. I agree. Well, Steph, thanks for talking this through with me. Yeah, this was a good one. I hope everybody has a fantastic, this will come out after the holidays, but I hope everybody has fantastic time. Even if we are doing micro Thanksgivings at home with our family and friends, be well, be safe, you guys. Yeah, take care, everybody. Talk to you soon. Bye. And that's our episode. Guys, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. I hope you got you thinking about important stuff that we should be at least thinking about right now. If this podcast is helpful, please do us a favor and share it. Share it with your friends. Uh, leave us a honest review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. That lets you uh, leave reviews. That, that's an important part. But if your podcast platform lets you leave reviews, leave us a review. It's how people find the show. It means the world to us. Guys, take care. Be well. Talk to you soon. Bye.